All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Yeah, it's WTIC. Good afternoon. I love this story about the deliveries because I always thought about how you've got teenage kids, young people out there trying to make a buck or college age, maybe worse. This is a research from from England, but they're saying when you're thinking about having f- food delivered, that you might be better off to uh, to get it yourself. But but then the transgressions of the drivers aren't necessarily uh, such a big deal. They're just curious things. They're you know it's fun to see the numbers. For example, um, for example, eight in ten delivery workers. Now this is not a surprise. Eight in ten say that they have sampled the food that they're delivering. So they stick their hand in and grab a few fries, or maybe maybe there's an item in there that you don't know is going to be there. Or maybe there's three of them and they can take one, you know, a piece of bread or something like that. Anyway, there's a lot of that that goes on, which violates the sense of trust. We do put a lot of trust in people. And it's good that we're trusting it's also naive that we're trusting, you know, like why would we trust people who are hustling to make money? Why would we not trust that? Of course, they'll stick their hand into the bag and grab some for themselves. That's just predictable, right? Anyway, one of the, um, let's see, one in 10 have urinated near a customer's home. That's not particularly surprising is it uh, one in four drivers can confess that they've also um, had sexual relations in the car with your food which <laughs> I suppose is uh, something you didn't have to know either I don't know they've also uh, they also confessed to talking rudely and uh, being unpleasant with Oh, 23% intentionally damaging packages. I don't know. Maybe it's better to pick up the food yourself. What do you think? 860 We'll get the rants going. When we continue, we'll take some phone calls, too, on WTIC. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yes, yes, yes. All right, we're going to play some rants. Let's get Dave from Brantford in first, and then we'll get those rants going. Hey, Dave. Wow, the pressure. I have to lead into rants. Todd, uh, you'd like to give props to you for running that Milton Friedman quote. We, mm-hmm. Because he's old, he's dead, and, you know, his time was in the 40s to the 90s. Oh, but he's uh, so good. He still has not been replaced, Dave. So, 
so much genius. And I was thinking of how to work this in. On Sunday, uh, Hartford Current had a commentary by uh, Paul Krugman, mm-hmm. who was such an idiot in every possible way. Yeah. And uh, Friedman and Krugman are both Nobel Prize laureates, but Krugman must have got his out of a <laughs> bubblegum pack because he shows no sense. And here's an example. Uh, Krugman is uh, comparing European inflation to American inflation, Mm -hmm. and because we don't have the same Federal Reserve in Europe and the U.S., and we don't have the same president, his thesis is, how could this mess, I mean inflation, how could it be Biden's fault if it's also in Europe? Well, that's a ridiculous thesis, because petrodollars are paid in dollars, and so an expansionary dollar policy raises the dollar price of oil for everyone. also, Krugman is too much social commentary. His closing line is, uh, for now, Democrats need to run on social issues and against the threat of GOP, the GOP poses to democracy. <laughs> Friedman never said crazy things like that. No. Uh, I, I so, think uh, Paul Krugman, part of the reason he's such a nut as an economist, like he just makes no sense a lot of the times, is because he's not making sense on purpose. He's being a political advocate. And your point... I think is really a strong one about the fact that the dollar is in charge of of how things work the internationally. Central, the central commodity yeah. of our time. So if oil. you inflate the dollar, you're punishing the economies overseas. Uh, I want to get in a quote. Uh, this is a, a Milton Friedman. Equality before freedom. In other words, equality is more important. If you uh, equality before freedom, you get neither. But if you put freedom before equality, you get both in great measure, is the exact quote that he said. I think that's important to remember. Uh, The other thing he said is uh, everyone said it was better when Trump was running things. This is Krugman. And then he posits the question, what would uh, Trump be doing differently than Biden? And the answer is Trump (laughs) wouldn't be doing anything about inflation if you let free enterprise take over. You don't need to do the whack-a-mole that I suggest uh, everyone heard your news with uh, Blumenthal talking about the greedy oil companies and we need a, you know that greed, greed tax to get the money back. The problem is every single item, the meat packers, we've got to go after them. We've got to go after the oil companies. We've got to go after those formula makers because they didn't – well, Trump didn't have to do any of that. He let the magic – uh, hands of the market take care of everything, and it did. And so uh, I'm with, well, your buddy Lebo didn't say that today, but when the, his freedom of choice on states and countries, it's basically the same thing. When you let people choose, they choose correctly. If you let government choose, it's 100% likely to get worse. All right, Dave, let me ask you one thing, because you might know this better than I. I've been reading recently about the effects of government on our uh, well the the fact that government needs inflation as a way to correct for all the damage they've been doing to the economy with all the money they've been spending the the company line basically is at 30 trillion government is by far the biggest borrower on the whole planet right so if you inflate away the value of their debt so they pay back in cheap half price dollars in the future Mm-hmm. That they can just keep doing it. And so they have no incentive to control inflation. And in a lot of ways, like the capital gains, if you sell your house, they have every incentive. If uh, some of your income is from capital gains, which mainly means the dollars paying for your item went down in value, not that your item went up in value. How dare you tax me on that? I mean, I bought a house and I sell it and I still have a house. I didn't make profit on that. And uh, that that is one of the reasons. Uh, and I, I give a props to another show. 
I've been listening to the Larry Kudlow show lately mm-hmm. on the weekend. Sometimes when you think nobody's a clear thinker anymore, he gets a lot of good guests with a good common sense on Federal Reserve policy, which might be a little bit stuffy for your audience, but maybe there's a way to talk about it in the future. I'm, I'm right. working on that. I don't want to bore people. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Bye. Talk to you again soon. Dave from Brantford, always good to hear from. 860-522-WTIC. Okay, with some rants. Here we go. Yeah, Todd, calling about Governor Ned Lamont's new ad campaign where he's encouraging online gambling and pot smoking um, and using taxpayer money to do it on top of it. Well, that we're not and sure. And everyone's missing the big picture why he's encouraging those things, because they bring revenue to his his administration into the state and you can pay more of the pensions that way and and they'll be all happy that way meanwhile we can't even get affordable gas or food that is true and and he's only one of the governors doing that because there have been so many campaigns about responsible use of drugs like opioids i mean there's no responsible use of that it's this is terrible it is. Uh, we'll we'll play it in a little while if you haven't heard it. But there is a uh, there's a song, a piece of well, it's all about Connecticut. This country song, and Ned is uh, using it as sort of a campaign tweet. That is saying that he's a blessing. He's a blessing. Isn't that amazing? And. Um, what was the other thing? I forget, but it, it's saying nice things about Jolly Ned in a song, which is kind of bizarre. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Governor Ned Lamont here, and uh, <laughs> let's just cut through the crap. Everybody knows I don't know what the hell I'm doing here with the state, and everybody's just going to have to stop all this nonsense about talking about eating out, dining, and having a good life, because you're all going to have to start paying your taxes, you hear me? We're going to start uh, impounding cars or something if you're a year late, maybe six months after you. Maybe everybody should be paying their automobile tax twice a year instead of every two (laughs) years. I'm sure the state could get a lot of money that way. Yeah, I bet Bob Stefanowski hasn't come up with a good idea like that. Yeah. So, uh, hey, good luck, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Ned. Always good to hear from you directly. Hello, Todd. It's Smitty. Yes, Smitty. Hello there. I heard some kind of uh, speech today about lowering gas prices. One of these people ought to realize we have to turn the spigot back on in the USA. That is going to be the only way gas prices are going to drop. You're talking supply. Have a good, Todd. Have a good day, Todd. Speak You're talking supply. They've got to loosen up the supply. And... Uh... You know, that was one of Biden's big moves when he got into office was to start being hostile towards the idea of the production of oil and gas and all that stuff, because that's what the lefties want. That's what the environmentalists want. To woke types, some things are offending. Just look at the things that are pending. There now are appeals to change state flags and seals. The process just seems never-ending. Yes, it does. It is never-ending. Well, the idea is to be never-ending. You've got to change everything all the time because everything's bad. Take two. I don't think my point got across, so you pick. All right, give another try. Hey, Todd, 
you had a caller on, and for the thousandth time, I've heard the question, why would anyone need an AK-47? Well, I reply to him and everybody else that has that same question. I always ask, why would anyone need a Porsche? My father-in-law had them for decades, and one absolute was he was going to break the law with each purchase. When he, when he, when he passed, he, 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 he In other words, he was going to... Uh... He was he was going to break our traffic laws with the cars when he bought them. He was going to break the law with each purchase. When he passed, he was eighty two. He had a Porsche Boxster yeah. in the garage, and I used to take rides with him. Believe me, the speedometer went to one hundred and seventy five, and we went well over a hundred every time I took a ride with, with my father in law. So. Caller, if he can make the same claim about AK-47s, is each owner of an AK-47 going to break the law like I made the claim about every Porsche owner? Mm -hmm. The speed limit is 75. Tell me if you know anybody who's going to not go past 75 in a Porsche. I don't know. It could be there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who never go over 55 driving Porsches because it makes them look fast. Can't assume. Hey, Todd, this seems simple. I see two easy solutions to the problem. Yeah. Open the pipeline, and the government has to stop spending money it doesn't have. Inflation will be gone, and gas prices will come down. How easy is it? Goodbye. <laughs> it's, it's pretty – well, that's a pretty clear plan. And, and the thing is that the only reason they don't follow a simple prescription like that is because they want to keep growing the government. They feel quite certain that there's no way to keep winning elections if they're not always taking more out of the economy. Dad, Rick from Cromwell. I was watching the Spelling Bee contest this weekend. Spelling Bee, yeah. Let's say I was deaf. Okay. Would I be able to apply for that, that game to win that prize? I don't know. Thinking about it. Thanks. Bye. Depends on how good you are at, at uh, lip reading, I guess. Imagine having to spell the word after you lip read it. Wow. That would be impressive. Hello, Todd. John here. Friday, Hello, John. The 3rd of June, approximately 4.30. All the gun laws will not stop what's going on. And I listen to politicians. We have to do something. The president, we have to do something, do something, do something. And from the cities, the state, and the federal government, do something, do something, do something. They don't care about what they do as long as they do something. <laughs> and they always end with it. That's true. So this will never happen again. And it happens. You hear John's uh, John's getting a little support in the background on what he's supposed to say. So this will never happen again. And then and it happens again and again. It happens in a couple of days after it happens again. It's not to anything to do with the weaponry involved. Thank you very much not for the your time, sir. You hear? Isn't that fun? I love that. By the way, that's that's uh, pretty similar to what Chris Murphy himself used to say about guns. 
John and Chris Murphy are on the same wavelength there, it seems to me, which is, which is uh, I mean, that's just pretty good stuff to be traveling in those circles, don't you think? Where is he? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in the classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? That was Chris Murphy just uh, 10 days ago putting on the big show on being anti-gun and seeing guns as being the problem. And I think I'm just looking for the right cut here to play you uh, the two sides of Chris Murphy. I think this is it. This is uh, just after Sandy Hook. Um, no gun law in the world is going to stop somebody from picking up a firearm and doing something dumb with it. And so, like, at some, like, at some level, I had a lot of my friends in Congress who think you can solve all this stuff with gun laws. You cannot. You cannot. Stephen Springfield, hi. Hello? Yes, Steve. Um, yeah, yeah, this is Steve calling from Springfield. Yes, Steve. Oh, okay. Um, I'll tell you, you know, all these people crying for gun confiscation, I don't think it works so well for the Jews in Germany or, in, or the people in Venezuela or Cuba or uh, under Slobodan Milosevic. That, gun confiscation worked out real well. You know, I think there. Um, I think the 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 idea is to fill up the airwaves and every space of of dialogue, yeah. Steve, with the message that guns are the thing. But, but but I'll tell you, I think one thing one thing that's good about the Democrats, they're destroying the economy too fast. They're destroying it so fast they don't stand a chance during the midterms, um, and, and and that that's a good thing, you know, because people don't pay attention to politics, but they sure pay attention to their wallet yes gas prices remind you all the time i i i think i think we're still heading for exponential increases in everything i i and, and god forbid that we hit 50 percent inflation uh because uh that's when hyperinflation kicks in i'll take a stock market crash over hyperinflation yeah it's not it's not pretty stuff thank you steve for that Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two rant line Seven five one forty six ninety eight. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. WTIC, thank you for being here. We have another week rocking, and uh, it's exciting to have another week going. All right, this is uh, this is that song that maybe you didn't hear yet today, but that Jolly Ned is tweeting out. It's it's a song by a guy named Rusty Gear, who's a country singer apparently from Connecticut, and it's kind of a long song. Goes for about four minutes, almost four minutes. And at the end of it, he says this kind of bizarre thing, which um, I will play for you now because it's just so, it's just such a surprising thing to hear. Because he's saying something nice about Ned Lamont. Back home, we thank the governor for the blessings that we got. We can gamble on the internet, and it's cool to smoke some pots. So y'all come visit my state. So back home, we this is talking about Connecticut, Jolly Ned. Thank uh, back home. We thank the governor for the blessings that we got. Back home, we thank the governor for the blessings that we got. All right, that's the setup, and then here are the blessings. We can gamble on the internet. We can gamble on the internet, and and it's cool to smoke some pot. So and it's cool to smoke some pot. So the governor tweets this out like that's a something to be proud of, a great accomplishment. Which, by the way, if you think marijuana should be legalized, it doesn't mean you should be excited about the particular measure that was passed to allow Ned to be the new drug dealer. He's now the drug dealer and the marketing agent for legalized pot, even though it's still illegal according to federal law. And he's campaigning on this. It's, it's too much to fathom. It's too much to fathom. Can we really have gotten to that point where that accrues to his benefit, where people look at that and say, oh, that's good. That's good. Jolly Ned gives us uh, ways to gamble and get intoxicated and drive pseudo drunk without there being a breathalyzer. And it's cool to smoke some pot so y'all come visit my state and mind your etiquette. I guarantee you'll be welcome Connecticut. And they found a rhyme. So the, the premise of the song is that nobody's written any country songs about Connecticut because there's nothing to rhyme. And he goes through all the other states and finds ways to play with the words. But then he finds a way to rhyme. The governor for 
So blessing the governor, too, has riled some people. Back home, we thank the governor for the blessings that we got. We can gamble on the Internet, and it's cool to smoke some pot. Cool to smoke some pot. Can you believe it? So you come visit my state and mind your etiquette. I guarantee you'll be welcome in Connecticut. I guarantee you'll be welcome in Connecticut. Now, there it is. Rusty gear. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. It's a great day, great week, exciting time. Joining us right now to add to the excitement, Chris Powell from the Journal Inquirer. Hello there, Chris. Hey, Todd. Great to be with you. Thanks. The most prolific man with a pen. So you wrote a cool column about taxes, and you said that despite all the running around that Jolly Ned's been doing to make it seem like he's lowering taxes, that, that there's some new ones coming? Yeah, the uh, Connecticut Mayor's Keith Sanoff uh, did a story the uh, other day that uh, really uh, put this all together. The uh, uh, diesel fuel tax, the uh, wholesale uh, tax, uh, has been on uh, a program to uh, be adjusted uh, with uh, wholesale diesel fuel prices for some years now. And diesel fuel prices in the last year have almost doubled, and so this is going to you know, probably mean uh, uh, at least a 10 cent increase on the 40 cent per gallon uh, diesel fuel tax. Uh, that's uh, this is going to take uh, take effect on uh, July 1st, and of course that tax uh, will be quickly passed along to uh, the customers uh, who buy whatever comes into Connecticut by truck. You know, which is just about uh, uh, just about everything. So that's going up on uh, uh, July 1. Uh, and then on January 1, uh, the mirror reported uh, uh, there's uh, going to be a uh, uh, $90 million new uh, tax on uh, heavy trucks on interstate uh, highways. And, of course, uh, that's going to be passed along uh, by the truckers to uh, uh, wholesale prices, anything that we buy in Connecticut. Uh, and these will be very inflationary. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, look, the... Uh, the governor and the legislature <clears throat> suspended the gasoline tax um, until uh, the end of November, until they get them past uh, the, past the election. Why shouldn't yeah. we also be suspending the uh, diesel fuel tax uh, and even the, uh, the the highway tax on on trucks as long as inflation is going to be uh, be roaring? So this is a uh, this is one of the things that gets me about politics. We hire these people to run things for us, and I always liken it to a family business. If if you went out and hired somebody to be the CEO of the business you inherited from your parents, say, but you didn't really know how to run it, so you brought in a professional, and then all the professional did was tell you phony stories about what was going on with the business and how wonderful it was. Well, they were robbing you blind. That would be a criminal thing in the private sector, but in government, this is what they do. Well, they like hiding uh, the tax burden uh, in, uh, in, in in prices generally. Uh, sales taxes, 
hidden in hidden in prices, but uh, you know people can still see that they they know generally what the sales tax is. But when you put uh, taxes on uh, say wholesale uh, gasoline, wholesale diesel fuel, uh, nobody in the world can uh, can figure that out unless they're in the uh, in the gasoline <laughs> business. Uh, so I don't think they will be repealing this or suspending it. Yeah. Uh, just because unless you're reading the uh, Connecticut Mirror or the Newspapers that uh, publish the mirror stories, you you won't know that uh, your you know consumer prices just went up a certain uh, percentage because the state of Connecticut raised transportation taxes. Yes, but uh, th- there's something weird about this electoral politics where the governor is governing; he has the job of being the governor, and he is running for re-election at the same time. So he doesn't tell us the truth about what he's actually doing as governor. He acts like he's he's found a way to correct all of the past problems because he out of his own brilliance and that there that he never raises taxes and that the cost of living hasn't gone up under the the three years that he's been the governor when all those things are false and and shouldn't there be some little truth meter or something that we could uh, <laughs> to to just just show the two thermometers, one showing how much taxes have gone up and another one showing how much the cost of living has gone up. Well, that used to be what journalism uh, was for. But uh, in fairness to uh, the governor, he didn't have anything to do with the uh, wholesale diesel fuel uh, tax. That was uh, enacted uh, years before he became uh, governor, and the automatic adjustment was was in there too, but uh, look, he has showed us that if uh, if he and the legislature want to suspend taxes, they can do it. They did it with the with the regular gasoline tax. Uh, so the question here is, hey, why why can't they do it with the the diesel fuel tax as well? Why can't they do it? With I know. The, I'm just, I'm just trying to generalize tax. it because even though he's collecting all kinds of taxes that he didn't put into effect. Those are still part of the gross amount of money coming into the government, and that amount of money is higher than before Ned took off office because he's raised taxes too. Yes, well, he has. He's just uh, uh, raised the uh, the less visible ones, and you know, in fairness to him, perhaps uh, uh, by less amounts that uh, than uh, would have been uh, raised by uh, you know other Democratic governors. You know, and listen, I. In fairness to him, he is, you know, more centrist than his predecessor, which may not be saying much. Uh, but, you know, nevertheless, uh, uh, he's not uh, as uh, quite as enthusiastically uh, leftist as, uh, as most Democrats in the legislature. No, but he has no problem lying about what he has done and, and misrepresenting and making sure everybody's confused. And that's the part that gets me. I want, I want the person who we hired around the state to say, look, we need to increase taxes this year X amount of dollars. And that's just what we're going to do because that's the situation we're in. And let him have that discussion with voters. If voters never know what's going on policy-wise, and because, you know, everyone's driving around moving really fast trying to figure out a way to make enough money to pay the bills and to pay all the high taxes, and they're being told the taxes have gone down and everything's wonderful and, and Ned's been brilliant when that, that's not the case, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Well, uh, candor and technical act- accuracy are are not, uh, you know, usually provided to us by uh, people in elective office. Uh, uh, 
you know, us guys who don't run for uh, for election are supposed to figure this out. Well, that's true too. All right, what else did you write about that excited you this week? Oh, I wrote a column about uh, Senator Blumenthal not doing terribly well in uh, a His couple of poll polls, numbers, recent, huh? Recent polls, yeah. The uh, Quinnipiac poll uh, found him with a barely favorable job approval rating. I guess it was forty-five to forty-three percent, and. Uh, there was a, uh, I guess, Emerson College poll uh, that Channel 8 and uh, The Hill were involved with that uh, found uh, the senator leading uh, the re- Republican convention candidate, uh, uh, Themis uh, Claritas, by uh, only 10 points, 50 to, to 40 percent. And it, it's gotten people wondering if uh, if Connecticut is uh, starting to suffer from Blumenthal fatigue. I mean, he's been in uh, elective office for the last uh, 37 years. He's older than Donald Trump uh, by a year or so. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he told a story once uh, a few years ago I thought was it was very telling and very funny that, uh, you know, he was he was the state's uh, highest lawyer for 20 years. He, uh, I guess, ran for attorney general and was elected five times. And uh, his uh, his young son once misunderstood his job title and, and, and called him the eternal general. <laughs> and uh you know he was a, he was eternal general for so long because he was waiting uh for the nomination that he really wanted which was a US senator nomination to open up he he could have run for governor he could have had the democratic nomination a couple of times i think but he he didn't want it uh and uh, uh i think he didn't want it because the senator's job is just so much more easy uh you can uh you can really control your 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 agenda much more easily uh, as a senator than you can as a governor. A governor uh, governor's got to deal with everything, whether he, whether he likes it or not. A, a U.S. A senator deals can with nothing. His, his issues, and you know, I, yeah. I think these days a senator's job is is mostly just uh, just posturing, especially now that the Senate is so so closely divided and, uh, you know, hasn't repealed the uh, filibuster uh, uh, level of 60 votes. Senators don't really have to do much except strike poses. Uh, And I I just wonder if if, uh, Connecticut's uh, getting a little tired of them. Wouldn't that be nice? Do you know some way we can measure it, a litmus paper or something? He he will probably be reelected. I'm sure he's got a lot more campaign money than uh, whoever the Republican nominee uh, will be. But I I do think there's some good issues to be uh, pressed in uh, in that campaign. Uh, uh, the senator is is truly an, ex- an abortion extremist. Uh, he wants uh, you know 24-hour abortion right to. Uh, right to the moment of birth uh he's against parental notification and those those positions are very much contrary to uh mainstream opinion among uh among voters and fortunately for for him uh uh journalism will not press him about those particular aspects of the abortion issue so he he will uh, get away with pandering to the abortion fanatics uh and the press will not uh, hold him to account so the public knows just how extreme as positions are. Speaking of which, we're talking to Chris Powell from the Journal Inquirer. Chris Murphy gave a speech last week after the horrible events in Texas in which he put on an incredible performance of anguish and 
and awe at the inaction of his fellow U.S. senators. I'm sure you had a chance to absorb that. Yeah, um, and, you know, I think people got to give him a little time now that maybe there's going to be some negotiations for, you know, some gun legislation. Just my, my problem with Senator Murphy and the, the other uh, anti-gun people is that the, the things they propose and keep coming back to uh, turn out to have nothing to do with the uh, uh, the mass shootings, uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, I'm all for comprehensive background checks, but the uh, uh, the recent mass shooting uh, perpetrators, they pass background checks. Um, I, I don't know, uh, you know, what else uh, uh, that they've got that is really uh, relevant. Uh, Rouse Douthat in the New York Times had a great column the other day. I think he had some, some original and uh, constructive proposals, uh, uh, particularly like slowing down the uh, uh, application pri- process for uh, uh, you know young people uh, getting uh, uh, semi-automatic uh, weapons and uh, having their backgrounds looked into uh, more thoroughly rather than just a, a criminal background check. Uh, I, I thought that uh, that was a very intelligent original uh, uh, column, but uh, I think maybe Senator Murphy ought to read it. I just wanted you to hear, because Chris Murphy's being, he's so anti-gun now, and I was shocked to hear this tape of him last week, where he, um, where he basically, a nine years ago, after Sandy Hook, right when he took office, uh, he was, took a, his sentence, Chris Murphy was singing a different tune. Um, no gun law in the world is going to stop somebody from picking up a firearm and doing something dumb with it. And so, like, at some, like, at some level, I had a lot of my friends in Congress who think you can solve all this stuff with gun laws. You cannot. Um, if you want to solve the problem of gun violence in general, but specifically urban gun violence, then you've got you to gotta make these cities more livable places, and you've got to give these kids a sense of hope that they simply don't have today. And, and so I, I found this fascinating. Like, how do you get away with that kind of 180? And what's your reaction to that, Chris? Well, look, we certainly have a catastrophic, uh, you know, gun problem. Uh, uh, and I, I don't think we're getting close to the cause of it, which I think is basically child neglect. Uh, mm-hmm. you got basically, uh, half the kids that's growing up in this country are growing up without a father in the home. They're... Uh, many of them are, uh, are are neglected and demoralized and, and alienated, and uh, uh, many many of the uh, the mass shooters and even you know ad- adults who uh, sure. commit gun crimes are are arising from those circumstances. But you know we're not we're not going to solve the child neglect neglect problem in you know anything less than the next 50 years. What can we do uh, uh, today? Uh, well, you know maybe Murphy can. Uh, Look at the suggestions of Ross uh, Douthat in the Times and come up with something that will slow things uh, down a little bit. You know, there's a great irony here. Uh, you know, for the last year and a half, the political left uh, has been uh, really harping on the uh, uh, supposed uh, coup and insurrection that Donald Trump and mm-hmm. his uh, his followers perpetrated uh, on January 6th, uh, 2021. Um, it reminds me of the old uh, Second Amendment saying, you know, when guns are outlawed, 
only outlaws will have guns. Well, I'd change that a little bit. You know, when guns are outlawed, only Trump will have guns. Uh, you know, Trump may be coming back into uh, into office. And the people who are complaining about the coup that he, he tried to pull <laughs> That's off a, great a, point. a year and a half ago, they're trying to outlaw guns. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. If, if the, uh, you know, the coup instigator comes back into power, you will sure have all the guns. Disarmed? Wow, that's a beautiful point. Yeah, my problem isn't so much that some people want to argue for certain gun laws to be passed. My problem is that the Democrats are conspiring to make it somehow immoral to have a discussion about those issues like the one you discussed. There are a lot of things that need to happen to make our society healthy again. And if all they get to do is create a frenzy and the media cooperates 100% and there is no mention of what you just said about child neglect, then we're being robbed of leadership instead of having it offered. Well, I, I just hope that the, the people who were proposing uh, more gun restrictions legislation related to, to guns will explain to us uh, just how uh, what they proposed would have had any bearing on oh. the recent mass shootings. No, Chris Murphy already said we, there's a great cut of him. I don't have time to play it for you now, but he gets asked about that, and he says, look, I'm not going to fall into the trap of trying to make every gun proposal that I come up with be an answer to the crime that just happened that I'm responding to. So he, he's not going there. But Chris, we're out of time. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Dad. Chris Powell joins us every week at this time. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.